welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and every episode by my co-host. She has always known that there is no spoon, Whitney Nelson. That's right. Hello. And his cat's middle name is Keanu? Evan Wells. <laughs> Actually, I don't, I don't know if my cat has a middle name, but he's about to. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Wes Keanu Wells. Oh, that's got a good ring to it, man. It does. It does. Mm. I think I think that's canon now. Andrew, his name's Bentley. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that was the thing. Evan told me his cat's name was Wes, and I just assumed that his last name was Bentley because why would you name a cat Wes and not have it be Bentley? But maybe Wells now, Wes Keanu Bentley. I don't know about no, no, that no. one. Let's let's get this figured out. It's Bentley. <laughs> Keanu Wells. Wes is not a thing. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't know who lied to you, but I'll find them. Okay. And I'll, and I'll destroy them. Okay, sounds good. Bentley Keanu Wells. Wow, that's a very regal name for a cat, let me tell he's, you. He's a regal, regal man, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a beast. Quite a beast. <laughs> Today, we are talking about the 1990 film Tune In Tomorrow. WXBU had the lowest ratings in Louisiana, but all that's about to change. I just hired us, a grade A, numero uno, no previous owner, genius. Yes, the greatest soap opera writer in the world. Pedro Carmichael. And now WXBU's ratings are about to go sky high. Art for life. Hurrah. But it wasn't art. You just copied word for word what we said. The plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is as follows. In New Orleans, circa 1951, a newswriter for a local radio station, Martin Loder, meets and falls in love with his aunt, Julia, a divorced woman who is looking for a new husband. Meanwhile, a new in town, eccentric radio soap opera writer, Pedro Carmichael, has been hired to help boost the station's bad ratings. Pedro begins manipulating Martin and Julia's affair and using it as the basis for his radio show. It was directed by John Emile, who has also directed films like Copycat, The Core, Entrapment, and in my opinion, the criminally underrated Bill Murray film, The Man Who Knew Too Little. Have either of mm. you seen that? Mm -mm. It was like a James Bond type spoof because there was The Man Who Knew Too Much, the James Bond. Mm -hmm. so, it's very good if you like Bill Murray. It's dry as hell. I like that. Awesome. Though. I'm going to look that up. I think it might be on Plex. Don't tell anybody. Co-starring <laughs> alongside Keanu is a huge cast of familiar faces, including Barbara Hershey, Peter Falk, Patricia Clarkson, Richard Portnow, Jerome Dempsey. And then we have some notable appearances by Dee Dee Pfeiffer, Peter Gallagher, John Larroquette, and Elizabeth McGovern. What do we think about this cast? Pretty crazy amount of familiar faces. Uh, one heck of a cast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of these are sort of more in the character actor realm or have mainly had careers in television where you see them and you're like, I know that person. Where do yeah. I know them from? <laughs> but they are very, very, all, every single one of them is recognizable because every single one of them has had pretty decent careers. They're just always in the more character actor parts rather than the lead role parts. So they are not quite as recognizable right off the bat, but... Every single time there was a new character that came on, I was like, wait, I've seen that person before. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of that guy and that girl. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. yep. 
later career stuff person I know. Good. <laughs> uh, I think it's safe to say that we are solidly in critics see all Keanu movies going forward territory. Do we think that's pretty much safe bet going forward? I think if they saw this, they probably will see everything that comes after this. Is that safe mm. to safe to say, right? Yeah, hmm. probably. I'm I'm thinking about like the rest of the list and I don't think anything on the list is smaller than this. Yeah. Everything else is is even if it's not as well known, it's definitely this is the last one with, that maybe f- sort of faded into a, obscurity with mm-hmm. the exception of maybe Providence. I'm not really sure what the deal is with Providence, but yeah, we're going <laughs> to, I think I'm, I reached out directly to the writer of that film on Twitter to see if there's anywhere that I can get a copy of that. And I have not heard back yet, which is disappointing. <laughs> yeah. That's a bold move, though. <laughs> well, I was yeah. like, look, I can't figure any other way to find this thing through legal or, you know, different means. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to watch it. Straight to the it. source. Yeah. Right. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Tap him on the shoulder. Uh, so yeah i think i think from here on out there should be critic scores and audience scores for everything we see i don't see a reason why there wouldn't be yeah absolutely and speaking of do you want to talk about the reception that we have here for this one yeah so uh on rotten tomatoes it has a critical reception of 45 percent and a audience reception of 53%. And I think that's high on both counts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised it's as high as 45% for the critics. I mean, that's still technically rotten. Right. But I actually would have expected it to be a little bit lower. More rotten. More <laughs> Not. We need more rotten reviews. We should... <laughs> Go back and review this. Yeah, like it's been sitting for a couple days, rotten. There's flies involved. I mean, that's truly the great thing about this being so hard to find is that new people can't review it. On yeah. You can get it on Amazon on DVD right now for $34. <laughs> and that is currently the <laughs> no only way. way to watch this film. Oh so it, unless you watch it in seven parts on YouTube like we did. Uh, <laughs> yes. You can also is, do that. You can do <laughs> that. Crazy. If you want to do that, you can do it. Right. Um, we have some. <laughs> the, the critic quote that you pulled yeah. is. I was going to pull it if you didn't, because it perfectly describes how this movie went for me. Yeah, get into it. Yeah. So um, Janet Maislin from The New York Times said, The film begins in a giddy, enjoyable tribute to its own ingenuity, which by the ending has worn thin. And that yeah. is exactly how I felt when I was watching this movie. Hmm. I was 100% in in the first five to ten minutes of this movie. And then the longer it went on, the more I was like, can this movie be over already, please? (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. However, I I did have a little bit of an uptick at the very end because they did make it. They they did introduce like a little bit of tension at the very end. And then I was and and that kind of brought me back. But overall, it was pretty thin. We we also have uh, a user, Dean McKenna here, a quote from Rotten Tomatoes as well. And that name sounds familiar. I feel like I might have pulled (laughs) this person's quote for one of our previous films. Maybe they're Mm. going on a Keanu journey as well. We have a strange little comedy with Reeves falling, understandably, for Aunt Hershey. 
only to find that manic, Albanian-hating scriptwriter Falk is using their romance in his soap operas. That's more of a synopsis, but, you know. That uh, is what happens. The... I kind of, I kind of strange little comedy, right? That's it's fine. That's I, that's, I thought right. that's the best of some of the user quotes. Uh, the other ones were pages and pages long. I'm not going to read your whole, you know, dissertation on this film. We're not, <laughs> yeah. we're not doing yeah. that, right? So let's. I think we should just get right into it. You two have already kind of. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on what did and didn't work for you in this movie? I, either one of you. Um. Well, for me, first of all. The the immediate thing is, it's about a radio station. Mm-hmm. They show some shenanigans happening with the radio station, but then the opening credits happen from a radio announcer who's like introducing the play, this the like yeah. s- radio opera that's going to be on next, and that yeah. is how they read the credits, the opening credits, and that is something I have never seen anything like it before. I was blown away by it. I was a little bit confused by it at first, but the second I understood what was happening, I was like, this is an incredible way to subvert opening title sequence that I have never seen before. Um, And the way that they sort of weave in, I like Peter Falk's character at first. I like Mm -hmm. that sort of offbeat, doesn't follow any rules, sort of come in and fuck shit up kind of character (laughs) in a movie. Um, I'm into that. And then when they started sort of weaving reality with fiction and cut, like sort of fading between the two and what you were seeing, I really liked that and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And there were moments that I thought was funny, but I think that it was overall too rambly. I think we spent too much time on Peter Falk controlling the narrative of Keanu Reeves in order to like get material because at this point he, where it started to lose me was where when Peter Falk knew what would happen with his like machinations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, if you know what's going to happen, then just write it. You don't need to manipulate these people in real life to make these things happen. Cause you know how it's going to play out. Like that's weird. Anyway, um, there was just too much. It got too over the top silly for me. I think it just is a little bit too wacky. And if it had stayed a little bit more constrained, in the type of humor and and the sort of deus ex machina of Peter Falk's character. <laughs> if if it had been a little bit more real, realistic, a little bit more true to life, I think I would have enjoyed it quite a bit more because the, the tone of it at the very beginning was really working for me a lot. I was very excited in the first few minutes, but then immediately I was like, this is not funny or interesting to me anymore. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Evan, do you want to, uh, you know, take it away from there? I'm going to carbon copy a lot of what Whitney said. But, you know, I think I agree with the whole, you know, they really stretched too far on the silly slapstick. um, And it it just was lost on me. Um, It didn't really seem to add to the the overall story. Uh, I just... I don't know. I actually got a little bit confused in the beginning by the vignettes. I didn't think that they 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 introduced them correctly. It was pretty abrupt. They just like dove right into this quote unquote, you know, what what do we want to call it? a little soap opera kind of thing that they were Yeah, they were story story and a story almost. Right. Storyception. And, and maybe that was on purpose, but for me it was it was 
kind of jolting. Um, and it took me a little bit to understand that they were trying to run these in parallel. But I, I thought overall it was a cool idea. It was an interesting approach. Uh, it was an interesting way to do it. I liked the the historical side of kind of showcasing how they how big and and how exciting and important these radio stories used to be. You kind of yeah. As as someone who grew up like as a kid listening to a lot of old radio shows and of different kinds like detective shows, but also like romance type stuff. I've listened to a lot of them because we got uh, for Christmas one year my sister got like 200 hours on cassette tape of old cool. radio broadcasts. It was Holy a huge shit. vault of old radio. And we would listen to it all the time. So for me, seeing the like one old guy who's in charge of all of the Foley for all of the characters and watching the the voice actors have different roles, but on the same script and you're doing it all live, it was that part of it was really fun for me too to see the the sort of like, how big a deal radio was and to see the behind the scenes of the radio stuff was fun for me too. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I thought back to War of the Worlds and, and, and how big an impact that, that um, mm-hmm. medium used to have. And so that was, that was cool. I, I think it was well captured, um, but it just was, it was just surrounded by too much, I don't know, falsity or, or forced comedy that just kind of took away from that. Yeah, I I think from a technical standpoint, though, they did a very nice job of giving the they treated the the film with some sort of wash. And I think this is probably pre like just filters, digital filters. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a, a film development thing, but they did a very it's a, a light wash like it's less less blacks less contrasty and a little bit warmer in a way that really helped the sort of vintage feel um it was a very stylistic choice that really worked for me i thought it was i thought it was really nice and the costumes were great you very mm-hmm. rarely when you see that sort of time period almost everything that's set in that time period is set in like new york or la yeah. you don't see anything from that time period that's set in like this is in new orleans so you get that real southern plantation sort of stuff yep. both in the in the radio stuff and then you get the the older like more fancy in the the fictional story inside of the story you get some really great costumes there too and i just thought that seeing that sort of southern style was something i don't get to see in period pieces very often and i liked that quite a bit yeah i might venture out and say that this is the best keanu has looked in a movie yet yes i would agree with that i have that in my notes as soon as we started (laughs) talking i was gonna say uh going point by point i was going to talk about how good he looks in this these clothes Mm. he looks so good in these clothes and with his hair in that style and i would never have ever guessed it but it really fits him yeah he pulls off he pulls off dapper pretty well yeah <laughs> that's fun that's fun about you andrew i might be the lone dissenter on this one i think uh i enjoyed this movie quite a bit uh despite what i also realize as i'm listening to you a lot of its shortcomings the way i would describe this movie if you had to like sum it up in a single word is surreal like everything is kind of a little bit off like all these characters are a little bit off and then the story within the story is hyper hyper 
dramatized and you know, a lot of twists and turns. But despite all that, I, I really had a good time with it. Hmm. Uh, I agree with all kind of the positive things you said, the costuming, the location, the music was fantastic. Like The music the, was so good. Yeah. When the, oh, yeah. the, right in that first scene where there's like a bomb threat and there's fire trucks coming to the building and they, yeah. they've woven the horns of the score to sort of sound like sirens when that's yep. happening, but it's still part of the piece of music. That yeah. was very impressive. Yeah, they did a lot of really cool things like that throughout the the movie. Like from the from the synopsis alone, if you were if you describe the premise of this film, you know, assuming that I didn't know anything else about it for the first time, you're like, here's the premise. It's this, 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 and this. I would have right in your face said, hard pass, not interested. <laughs> yeah. And and then I watched it and I found it really charming. Specifically the interaction of the three you know, main characters. And, you know, you could do away with a lot of the story. A lot of the cutaways to the the actual story in a story thing could probably be dropped to bring this thing to like a tighter 90 minutes. But uh, I didn't mind it too much. I, I was laughing at those little vignettes as well. So in mm -hmm. the first 15 minutes or so of this movie, I thought this is going to be one of my new favorite movies. <laughs> nice. So like, like I don't want to under, under play how much I was fully into this movie at the beginning. But I think that if they had just turned the dial down on the, the wackiness on the um, sort of slapsticky, it's not like physical slapstick. It's more like verbal slapstick, but yeah. it's yes. If they had turned the dial down on that, I'm not opposed to necessarily the story. I think the, the conceit of the story is, is fun and interesting and the like, reality mirroring fiction and fiction mirroring reality and weaving those two together. I'm into that idea. I think that it's interesting. I think that there was good dynamic with all of the actors. I think they all had good chemistry with each other, but I just, it, I, it kept losing me and I, the accents were terrible and that kept taking me out of it. I do not understand what Julia's New York accent was. <laughs> Because that was not a New York accent, but nope. nor was it a Southern accent. Keanu just could not hold an accent to save his life. Poor, poor guy. Right. Um, and then Peter Falk was just Peter Falk. Yeah, he did. He did his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm while I'm listening to you, both of you, I am nodding along. Say, yep, these, you know, these were this was bad or this was good and this. Uh, but uh, overall, I still walked away feeling like, OK, that was, you know, that was definitely worth my time. I felt like, considering again how difficult it is to actually find and watch this movie, I was like, okay, that felt that felt worth it. Uh, and then the technical work. I think we already talked a little bit about that. Cinematography. Had, there's some pretty cool shots. I think they had some like car mounted shots for yep. maybe one or two of the uh, chase things that we had going yep. on. The editing was was really nice, and there were some really cool. I want to say just like character blocking moments or, yeah. or and framing. They, they, yeah. the, the director definitely knew what he was doing. It's very much unlike everything else he's done. If you look at his catalog, you know, especially, especially what I just named copycat, the core entrapment, there's, it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like there's a through line in his work, but this, uh, this worked for me. So that's where I'll, I'll leave it there. Do we have any other high-level thoughts or specific things we wanted to touch on, or do we want to dive right in? Mm, I think it. that's all the high-level stuff, yeah. Evan, I wanted to ask you just really quickly, how about the cars, man? Oof. 
I'm, I'm ready <laughs> to talk about these cars. <laughs> Mostly 40s and 50s vehicles, which yeah. is great to keep them to keep them kind of in that world. Um, we had a 1937 show up, which was super exciting. Uh, even a, a there's a 26 Rolls Royce, which is just great. You know, those are just such you know the epitome of a of an older looking car. So really love this. In fact, I'm I'm kind of in a place where I'm trying to find one of these cars is kind of like my next project. Oh boy! So um, it was cool to see some of them on the screen. There you go. You could be dapper just like Keanu and driving around rolls. Grease my hair. <laughs> yeah, do it. Put on put on that very baggy three piece suit and. <laughs> You know, and then go dancing. Go dancing go, with your wife. Go cut a rug. No, my aunt. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, buddy. <laughs> I'm sad to say that we will be uh, skipping pop quiz asshole this week, unfortunately, because there wah, is wah. there's no trivia for this movie. It's impossible to find, at, let alone watch most of the time. And IMDb is, it has let us down in, in a big way. This this movie has definitely sort of fallen through the cracks yeah. of everything. It's hard to find info <laughs> about it. It's hard to find to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel a little bit like like an archivist almost having a copy. I'm like, <laughs> well, I'll maintain it for the generations. And that person on YouTube also who did it in 15 minute segments. So <laughs> thank you, person. Thank you, individual stranger. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this. Feel free to jump in with any details. I'm just going to go kind of high-level point by point here, and we'll get through this in pretty short order, I hope. So as Whitney mentioned, we start at a radio station, and a bomb threat is being called in by, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was it the Alaskan Liberation Organization? Was that right? It was the Albanian Liberation. Albanian. Okay, so that, (laughs) all right, that makes a lot of sense. The audio for me was not amazing here. So the Albanian Liberation Organization, this is a real threat. There, Everybody bails out, except for this lone writer who we only see from the back, and a bomb goes off and blows up this radio station, but not before this, this strange individual somehow sneaks out right at the last minute. Then we're in New Orleans, and as Whitney also mentioned, we get this really cool radio-style voiceover that walks us through the cast and the crew while we're seeing all these cool neighborhoods and shops and all sorts of stuff. I thought that was a really excellent touch. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, we present for your delight tonight a polar entertainment production of a John A. Meal film. Barbara Hershey, Keanu Reeves, and Peter Falk in Tune In Tomorrow, starring Bill McCutcheon, Patricia Clarkson, Richard Portnow, Jerome Dempsey, Richard B. Shull, Paul Austin, Joel Fabiani, Crystal Field, Jane Haynes, Mary Joy, oh yes, Robert Kramer, and a loving. We find out that Keanu works in a radio station and he's a news reporter. He tells his coworker that he's going to pick up, and this is a quote, his double divorcee aunt. <laughs> we are then in Sam's office, who is the owner of the radio station. And here we find out that Sam uh, might have, well, I, I want to preface this early. We find out that this guy might have like multiple personality disorder, or he's just legitimately like a con man who goes by the name Sam and Sid, depending on what desk he's standing at. <laughs> <laughs> We learned that Sam, this this version, has hired a renowned serial writer named Pedro Carmichael to produce radio plays because the station is 
you know, losing ratings left and right. Then, uh, as both Whitney and Evan mentioned, we get this short montage to see just how pervasive these radio plays are. We see we're in an office, a bar, in a hospital during surgery, <laughs> a living room, <laughs> people fishing on the river in restaurants. It's everywhere. It's kind of cool that I think podcasts have brought this format back in a big way. Like you think of like Homecoming and all the stuff that Gimlet is doing. It's like, well, radio plays are back. It's mm -hmm. just in a different format now. It's really, really cool. So the next scene is Aunt Julia's Homecoming. We see she uses Martin to get out of a date with an older man by saying that she's going to the movies with Martin. And she ultimately stands him up for that movie. Back in the newsroom, Again, after this party, we see this shady figure in Martin's office. And after a classic misunderstanding, it turns out to be Pedro Carmichael himself. In the next scene, we see Pedro writing. And this translates into our first of many story within a story sequences. And Pedro, the way he writes, he tends to dance with the taboo here. So the main story mm -hmm. about this you know, the soap opera is a bride essentially fell in love with her brother, right? Yeah. On her wedding day, he this brother says, I love you, not as my sister, but as a woman. And that the rest of that story plays out through the movie. It's pretty, it's, sh it's shocking to all the listeners, to say the least. So mm -hmm. we have that. After the first episode, I guess, Martin comes in to tell Pedro how much he enjoyed the story. And Pedro takes him out for, uh, he calls it refreshments. <laughs> he says, four hours into the day, refreshments. Here we go. And that drink looked disgusting. It sounded disgusting. It sounds disgusting. It's tobacco and eucalyptus. There's nothing good about that. I'm yeah, curious. It is, they're just steeping it into water. Hot, I guess hot water, like tea almost. Yeah, it was a tea. I wanted to... To call out, you know, we were talking about really nice shots before. Um, they did a great job of one of those classic kind of stepping into the light that Keanu did when he saw him rummaging through oh, the yes. yeah. news station. He's like at the bottom of the steps or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it lit his face as he kind of stepped into the light. I thought that was very well done. And, um, and then there was, I don't know if either of you caught it, but it was glaringly obvious for me, a big continuity issue. <laughs> Oh, no. Where um, Pedro rolled his sleeves because he was going to get in a fight with Keanu. And then in the very yeah. next scene when he shoves him, his sleeves are back down. I was like, come on. <laughs> Someone missed set photographer. Come don't, on. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't even know if that job existed back then. <laughs> they weren't too concerned about continuity. So, Yeah, but, I, you know, I kind of want to see what that drink's all about. He said it sharpened his mind. So I'm wondering if it was just a... <laughs> If he was able to kind of pull nicotine out of those leaves, and he said very specifically that it was uncured tobacco leaves. Um, yeah. So pretty. I kind of want to research that and see what that's about. All right. Can you, we'll do a bonus episode where you, you drink that and then tell us. Or the next time you host next week, please have that ready for us. Yeah, and I'll, then I'll we'll drink see. it during the episode and see how it'll be. I, I throw up. It'll be a 24-minute episode. Yeah, Evan. no, I mean, it's going to taste like... Bad. It's going to taste like a menthol cigarette, only water. Pretty much. Yeah. That's <laughs> essentially it, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like after a frat party, you know, and somebody put their cigarette out in a, in a glass of water. And yeah. then you just drink that water. Yeah, drink exactly. 
Mmm. Yums. Mmm. All right. So the next scene, we're at dinner with uh, the family and a couple, I believe there were a couple people from the radio station there. And Keanu legit looked like Pee Wee Herman, the way he was dressed. (laughs) Red bow tie, white shirt, gray suit, slicked hair. It was, it was, I could not get over that. But we find that he feels a little bit burned about uh, being left at the movies. And uh, he pokes fun at Julia's date, a man named... Brent, who is, uh, I don't even, well, how would we describe this guy? He's just a blank sheet. He's so white, he's a sheet of paper. I Mm -hmm. I mean, there's something, there's something Mm -hmm. to be said here as an insult, not even (laughs) worth getting into. (laughs) After a little bit uh, being done with Brent's foolishness, Julia asks Martin to dance and he lays it on really thick here. Mm -hmm. So we get a little insight into how Julia has been burned in the past and we find out she's basically looking for a boring older man with a heart condition. Yeah. And money. <laughs> and money, right. Always the money. rich part. She just wants to be comfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. And it should be noted here. So he is calling her uh, Aunt Julia. And what she really is, and I, I wrote this down, it's she is his father's brother's wife's sister. So... No, it's no blood relation. This is a true distant person. Just want to mm-hmm. make that clear. There's no, you know, it is a little scandalous, but still, it's worth worth noting, I think. There's no there's no real title for this person because yeah. it's so distant. Exactly. So at this point, uh, after we find out about what she, you know, rich older man with a heart condition, we're back in our radio play. We learn that the bride is pregnant with her brother's baby, uh, and all the listeners are shocked by this. It, it's it's worth noting that everyone is enraptured. When this is on the radio, nothing is getting done, really. <laughs> yeah, so we establish in the opening sequence that the radio is on everywhere. It's yeah. on all of the time, and everyone's listening to it, but also people are doing other stuff. Like, mm-hmm. in the diner, they're eating food, they're looking at a newspaper, they're doing whatever. Anywhere that it was on, people were like, it was on in the background. Now, all of a sudden, with all of this salacious behavior, everyone is, like, wrapped. Yep. Even so much that a woman is letting a chihuahua eat a banana. (laughs) Right. We get that scene. Correct. Yeah. Real strange. (laughs) It was a little bit weird. So, (laughs) after this, uh, we see that Martin goes to visit Julia. She's staying with some relatives and he tries to woo her with flowers. They share a beer and decide to go on a date, but not after she kind of pokes fun at him. I have, I pulled the audio for this because I thought it was pretty delightful. Well, what? Do you want to go out with me? Oh my God. No, listen, we could go to the movies. Oh, really? What do you kids do after? You go for an ice cream soda, I suppose? Well, sure. They got chocolate sauce? Lots. I thought that was nice. I thought I laughed. Mm-hmm. I, I chuckled at that. That was, that changed her mind, really. <laughs> she mm-hmm. hurled an insult and then turned it around with his charming, genuine nature. It's a good example of his uh, in and out of accent there. He really yeah, poured it Yeah, it's also a good example her. of what kind of person from New York talks like that <laughs> for her. Yeah. yeah. You got to just 
wherever they're from wherever they're from but it yeah. ain't where they say is, they're from <laughs> wherever it is is buck wild <laughs> yeah it's some crazy shit <laughs> Um, a, a little bit of a reference to an earlier Keanu movie here. He he references an Oedipus complex. That's mm-hmm. true. We find mm-hmm. out that their age difference is four, uh, 14 years. He's 21 and she is, no, she's 36, so 15 years. Yep. Yeah. Right. So that's, yeah, and we get the Oedipus complex. That was, I thought that was a nice little thing too. And coming up very soon, we have another uh, another cool reference here. Mm-hmm. So there's a date montage that follows. We see them drinking and dancing. Everything seems to be going well. He asks what she's doing tomorrow. She says, you tell me. Turns out they're going to go fishing at the beach and a picnic afterwards. Everything is smooth. Yeah. And in fact, things have suddenly gone into turbo mode because she went from, (laughs) I can't go to the movies with you to I'm going to strip naked and put on a bathing suit in front of you. So uh, here we go. That's correct. That's correct. So the the next scene we see Pedro is directing the voice actors. Okay, you've gone belly up in shit's creek. You need a paddle real bad. What do you reach for? Art! That's what I'm talking about. The very apex of your art. I want to hear your sinews crack. And strain. I want your souls to enter those microphones and emerge like ghosts in the homes of our listeners. <laughs> he goes on from there quite mm-hmm. a bit. But I loved Peter Falk in this movie. I thought oh, he yeah. was great. Yeah. It was a good monologue for him for sure. Yeah, and he nails it because he's he's very his character is very he looks very manic. His hair is always kind of a little bit disheveled. Mm-hmm. He's he's always his eyes are darting back and forth. It was a great great role for him. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. We cut back to the radio play, and this is where there were some hints of this earlier, but here's where we find out that Pedro really dislikes Albanians. There is a recurring <laughs> joke for the rest of this film. One of the characters he wrote offhandedly says, and I wrote this down because it's such a strange turn of, he says, I'd rather be an Albanian goat salesman. <laughs> Great. Apparently, apparently this angers the Albanians currently living in New Orleans. Yeah, but I, I also thought that they were trying to get across the fact that he was doing this just to increase listenership, if you will. Yeah. Just to get, you know, he's just in, he didn't really care about the Albanians. In fact, he kind of references that at the end of the movie, but he's just doing something edgy so that more people yeah. listen. Yeah. Right. He's like giving, giving people a common enemy. <laughs> like, right. what have Albanians ever, you know, at least in New Orleans, what has this community of people ever done, really? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. It's a very bizarre thing, but it keeps coming up. And I thought it was pretty funny. So in the next scene, we see Martin and Julia, and I'm going to assume that they're watching An American in Paris because they make mention that the movie was a Gene Kelly film, and then after the fact, they're talking about Paris, and that's the only one I could think of. So let's say that they saw that. Yeah, they, they, they obliquely reference it. The music that they hear is not from that movie. Yeah. Um, but they do, they, she says something about, 
an American in Paris, but not in, in so many words. And I think they're trying to not say anything about it for copyright issues, but it's pretty clearly an American in Paris. <laughs> yeah, they're dancing around it, but yeah. Which is a great film. You should definitely watch it if you haven't. Gene Kelly, one of the most talented people maybe ever. Yep. <laughs> Facts. Martin says that he'd love to go to Paris to become a writer and says he wants Julia there with him. But at this point, she pulls back a little bit. And this is after he kind of paints a beautiful picture of their life there together. She says she, co- she came back to reality, right? And then she leaves. And as she excuses herself, Pedro kind of just slides into the scene here. <laughs> he, he sits down, he talks with Keanu Martin a little bit. And then he says this line that also recurs throughout most of the movie where he feels reality impacting here. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really funny also. That's just a kind of an interesting turn of phrase. I liked that turn of phrase a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After this... Martin and Pedro go outside. They get jumped in an alley by Albanians. All right. (laughs) And then we cut to the next morning and there's a small protest outside the radio station. It looks like there's just one Albanian out there with a sign, but. I think I saw two people, but (laughs) there's not many. (laughs) Right. You're like, oh, (laughs) great. But it's beginning. Yeah. And at this point, we realize that Pedro, like Whitney had said earlier, is now this kind of weird puppet master of Martin and Julia's relationship. So he like sets up these scenarios and then observes and records their reactions and then just makes that into his radio play. So the first one of these is dinner at his place. He answers the door. He's dressed like a maid. And... (laughs) This gives us a little insight into what his process is, right? He puts himself fully into the characters that he writes, I guess, if that's if that's what you want to call it. There is a bad disagreement after this dinner, and Julia distances herself from Martin after he calls her out for not being... Uh, he, she says... He's, he tells her, you're not afraid of being poor, you're afraid of being alone. And this drives a little bit of a wedge between them. So Julia decides to go on a date with a doctor, And then some more drama ensues, right? After a little bit of time apart, Julia, I think she gives him a call to explain the situation and Keanu just hangs up on her. So she shows up at the news station and we see Peter Falk continuing to eavesdrop, right? So these are the things that I think, Whitney, you're talking about where he's just kind of predicting all of these pieces will move into the right place and then recording the actual dialogue parts of it. Mm -hmm. So after Martin hears verbatim, the conversation he just had with Julia on the radio, he confronts Pedro. And he, once again, which happens throughout the rest of this movie, talks his way out of it. He gives Martin nightclub tickets and everything seems great. And then he immediately calls Martin's parents and gives them nightclub tickets as well. So he's again creating all of these little crazy situations. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting how they reflected how his parents dressed was very closely related to how they did the story within the story. And that that was an interesting connection there. If you noticed his, his dad actually had like the white gloves on and he had that kind of upscale plantation look, uh, which was really present in the vignette. So I thought that was a cool little, little crossover there. Yeah. I did not actually notice that, but now that you brought it up, yes, that is, uh, that is interesting. We have, a really cool dancing scene mm-hmm. with Martin and Julia here. They're really going for it. And I, th- I think that was mostly them. And uh, mm-hmm. it was really nice. It was. Yeah, Keanu did a nice job. He was 
he when he entered the dance floor, I was like, oh boy. But <laughs> they they got into it, and it was it was it was good. It was well choreographed. It's another another night before. Yeah, it was well choreographed. They clearly did some training for it, but also that's one of those times where like you can make up for in enthusiasm what you lack in dance experience because they both really did go for it. And I think that that's part of why it was so charming was they looked like they were having fun. Mm -hmm. It played really well. I think those two had a pretty decent chemistry uh, in terms of when they they were, they they bounced really well off of each other. So that was, that was also good to see because as we have established, that is not always the case with Keanu and female (laughs) leads. So. His parents end up seeing the two of them there, and now the family knows what's going on, the jig is up, and they are basically forbidden from seeing each other anymore. At this point, things continue to escalate in a really weird way. Pedro suggests that the way to go legit is to get married, and then he stages uh, a fake wedding, like out in the middle of nowhere, and... (laughs) The officiant is one of the readers from the radio plays, just... A voice actor with, like, a beard on, a fake beard. Yeah, put a huge fake beard on this guy. It's really, really bizarre. So Julia figures this out, and then she drives off, and Martin gives chase on... I'm guessing that's, like, a dirt bike or some other small electric bike-type situation. And she loses him... And this is like a scene straight from Mario Kart because he hits a turtle shell and goes flying into a river or a pond or a lake or something. This was the only time when I did not appreciate the score because they did this like tuba sound whenever they showed the turtle crossing the street and then they went. Oh, yeah. To indicate slowness. (laughs) It was just it was just a little too blunt. (laughs) Um, and it was like, really, what, who came up with this? Like, he's going to ramp off of a turtle. And then they didn't even really, they didn't even really, he, he hit the turtle square on, right? In the path of the road. But as soon as he leaves the turtle shell, he's now suddenly in a body of water. Right. Unbelievable. He would have just gone over it and landed back on the road (laughs) and maybe like slid out or something like that. But nope, now he's. Somehow in in a body of water. It was also, I got excited because I was like, oh, Keanu on a motorcycle. Yes. You know, like this is, this is what I live for. But he, I don't, I don't think there's much footage, if any, of him actually riding. There was the scene of the car, but it was very hard to tell if that was Mm -hmm. real. And then a very obvious stunt double on going into the water. Right. Uh, and everything that well, was... we haven't really hit stunt Keanu years right. yet. Right. But you, oh, you know, it's it, coming real in, soon. In his interview with, with GQ, if anybody saw that, he does talk about how he kind of found his love of motorcycles on a movie set. Yeah. And I forget what movie he references in that interview. I have to go look, but it would be hilarious if it was this one. I know that it was right around this time. So late yeah. 80s. I, I remember, I don't know if he actually references directly. He might, but that, that article is definitely worth checking out. I'll link it in the show notes here. I, I believe we all probably read read that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. It mm-hmm. legit, the man is one of the coolest people on earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of the motorcycles that he now has in his collection from his movies are unreal. Yeah. Amazing. Worth a look. Worth a look. So 
turtle shell debacle, Mario Kart happens. All right. This leads to more radio play, more Albanian insults, and a larger protest <laughs> outside the radio station. It's, it's escalating. We, we see kind of where this is headed now. Martin is looking for Julia. He's at the cafe where him and Pedro got his refreshments. And Pedro tells her, tells him that Julia, she's actually right there across the street mm -hmm. with the doctor that she was dating earlier. Uh, there's a little bit of a scuffle. Keanu gets punched and Julia takes off with his doctor. Pedro suggests the only way to get back at this guy is to scare him with a gun. More escalation. <laughs> at this point, because of the protests, Sid slash Sam, whatever, whatever is happening with this guy who owns the radio station, he delivers the ultimatum that there will be no more Albanian jokes. And Pedro, he seems a little dejected about this, but he agrees. I think I'm just going to interrupt real quick. Yeah. I, the mm -hmm. more I think about it, that Sid Sam director of the radio station thing yeah. is a perfect example of the stuff that I didn't like that made yeah. me not like this movie instead of like this movie. Right. Yep. It was it very confusing. So easy to have it just be like that guy who's kind of a doof and wants everyone to like him, but also wants to be the boss. It could very easily have just been that guy without split personalities or him pretending to be his own brother or whatever was happening there. Like they don't explain it well. It doesn't make any sense. And it's one of those things that turned the wacky dial up too high for me. It's a perfect example of like, if they just not done that, I would have felt so much stronger about this movie. Yeah, I, I'm, I intend, I, I am inclined to agree with you on that. There was really, it, it was just super confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it could not, it was tough to track because you see that guy and you're like, he introduces himself at first as Sam. And then later he introduces himself as Sid. And then you get a closer look at his office and there are two doors and two desks. And, two desks. and each one is labeled different. So depending on where he's sitting, it's stupid. That was, I agree. That was, <laughs> that's the worst part. One of the worst parts. <laughs> In the accents. All right. In the accents, yeah. <laughs> Pedro, uh, maybe a day or two has elapsed. Pedro calls Martin from the radio station to tell him that he found Julia. And Julia has been ghosting Martin since the fake wedding. I, mm -hmm. I, you have to assume that they have not had any kind of contact. But it turns out she's staying at the house of this doctor. And Pedro gives Martin the address. As soon as he leaves off of this phone call, we see he's at the radio station. He pulls the fire alarm <laughs> and everybody evacuates. And Pedro locks himself in the broadcast room of the radio station. And you very quickly realize that this is going to be the swan song conclusion of this maze, this huge story that we've been seeing cut back to. Mm -hmm. Keanu gets his dad's gun. And he heads to where Julia is staying. And this is intercut once again with the actual radio drama where many more Albanian insults continue to be hurled around, this time by Peter Falk himself, who's mm -hmm. doing a bang up job with men, women. He's doing Foley. He's nailing this thing. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> the Albanians hear all of these insults and they decide it's time to burn the radio station down. So that's where they went. They break into a different entrance, they soak the place in gasoline, and then they light it up. Pedro continues to just deliver the drama, 
uh, like Nero fiddling <laughs> while Rome is burning. <laughs> it's really crazy. Smoke is coming under the door. He seems <laughs> not to care about this. Keanu is tailing who he believes to be Julia and this suitor. And they go to this really remote location. It's really, I, I don't know why anybody, you know, would go to the, it's, they basically just go to, it's a field with a tree. It's really mm -hmm. bizarre. Mm -hmm. We get this fever dream. And this coincides with the narration by Pedro, where Martin gets so jealous that he walks up to this car that he's been tailing and he kills Julia and this doctor. He just shoots them. Now, I did not care for this, really. But I also mm -hmm. knew at the same time that it was like, this isn't real. I just couldn't figure out why they put something so graphic in here only to subvert it like 30 seconds later. Yeah. Did either of you feel similarly about that? Yes, I thought exactly that. I was like, this is, in my opinion, out of tone with the rest of the movie. That sort totally. of extreme violence is like, there's been the, the bomb threat and the news station exploding and some fist fight stuff, but like nothing that's extreme graphic violence. It doesn't fit with any of that. It escalates things to this weird point I that doesn't fit with the like comedy nature of the rest of the movie. It just seems so out of place. Yep. Yeah. This, this is what I was referencing earlier though, that brought my attention back. It was just, um, you know, they, they, kind of got to a little bit of a climax in the movie, in my opinion. And it just, I was like, what's going to actually happen here? And I'll admit, I fell for the, for the dream state. I thought he actually went through with it. And then when he snapped out of it, I was like, oh, well, now what? Yeah, they, I think they built to it in an effective way because we're watching the drama unfold in this story in a story. And then we're cutting back to, Peter Falk, who is basically a crazy person. There's smoke everywhere in the room. He actually is holding a gun. I think probably on microphone, he fires it in the radio mm -hmm. station to times. get across. Yeah. yeah. He's literally almost uh, insane in this. And we're cutting to Keanu, who, you know, has is forlorn, right? He 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 really wants to be with this person, and he's, you know, Peter Falk's been pushing him further and further and further. So I agree that it was brought together really well and the music and the swelling and everything like that. I just, you just see him shoot her like four times. <laughs> I just, it's not necessary. So yep. again, that's a, that was a big thing. That was a little bit of a, a bummer in the movie. I feel like they went past six. I feel like they went past six rounds too. He certainly did. It was a revolver, like a thirty-eight yeah. or something, and he shoots about nine times. So, really bizarre. Really takes you out of it, as Whitney said. So, mm -hmm. but we find out that this is just kind of what Pedro dreamed up. Keanu in real life just approaches the car, and Julia is the only one inside. He opens the door, pretty much scares the shit out of her because I don't think she was. What was knew she was Expecting being tailed company, yeah. yeah, to this remote field with a tree, and he professes her love. He professes his love for her. You know, they make up, and then they immediately hop in the back seat of the car. Which I guess everything's fine now. Yeah, <laughs> they have right. sex like four times in the next one minute of movie. Yeah, they don't it's crazy. Really, they don't really address why she drove there. I know that they were just trying to say that 
you know, they're trying to get across that they're both there and all that, but they never really speak to, she said she was like done with him or whatever and leaving him, but yeah, did she drive there because she figured he would show up or? I don't know exactly what it was, but you have to, a little bit earlier in the movie, and it's it was a small plot point, but you find out that she is essentially not allowed to live with the family that she was living with because mm-hmm. they don't approve of this situation with Keanu's character. So she had no nowhere to go. But also weird because she was in Pedro's car. We find out that the, his car. So maybe he orchestrated this whole thing. He told her. I to think like, he probably did. Yeah, yeah but, but it's not he, super clear, right? He also gave her no. a place to live. Yeah. So <laughs> why wouldn't she be it's, there? Right. This is a very bizarre. You just got to. This is where she goes to think, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, the next morning, they are, you know, we see them, they're sleeping on a kind of, uh, what is this here, a blanket outside of the car. Mm-hmm. We hear sirens in the distance, and Martin believes it's his dad who is on the police force. Turns out it's just Pedro, who disguised himself as a firefighter, stole a, a fire engine, and yep. escapes from the radio station. <laughs> Drove Sweet. the drove the fire engine with full breathing apparatus on, <laughs> with the sirens also on. <laughs> totally inconspicuous the whole way. <laughs> he uh, shows up, opens the trunk, very quickly changes into a a cardinal outfit, like a the the vestments of a mm-hmm. of a of a priest in the Catholic Church, or you know whatever wherever you have a cardinal, I guess. I think that's only Catholics, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I, let's. I mean, you, it's it's pretty ornate, bright red. Also, super inconspicuous. He continues to be. Hmm. He basically tells the two of them, oh, "You're welcome for <laughs> yeah bringing you together." There's no there's no easy way to sum it up. Like, thank God I was here to bring you two together. He takes credit for the relationship. He gives a pretty cool little parting quote that I liked. Right before he takes off in the fire truck. Keep riding, son. Remember what I told you. Life is a shit storm. And when it's rain and shit, the best umbrella you can buy is art. Damn right. Damn right. Damn right. And then then he takes off uh, where he says he's going to New York to write for the television and leaves them out there, the two of them out there with his car. I did appreciate their pronunciation of that they made it sound so uh old timey <laughs> yeah but also so new to everyone right like that yeah. no one had it that was yes good. television are you right. sure <laughs> he is very forward-thinking individual right they go for a walk down a pathway they talk about you know going to paris and then the final shot of the movie is martin and julia on a boat and again, this is an assumption, but they're sailing down the Seine River in Paris, presumably happily ever after. Roll credits. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's the movie. That's it. I can understand if someone did not like this movie for whatever reason. It's got a, it's got a soft spot in my heart. So mm-hmm. <laughs> if for no other reason than Peter Falk, I just really enjoyed that character, despite the fact that in real life... That plan would not have worked at all. Yeah, he did a nice job. 
I guess we'll start with the two of you. I, you know, I'll I'll come right out and say I would recommend if you could find this movie, <laughs> give it a watch. If you if you like, kind of, I don't want to say soap operas. It's it's not parts of it are certainly at that level. If you like, just like a comedy drama thing situation you might be on board for this film i don't i can't actually compare it to anything else because i don't think there's anything else quite like this yeah i think that's the reason why i would recommend it if i were to recommend it to somebody is because they did some stuff and they they kind of let everybody do what they wanted to do you know what i mean like there was things that were unique in every element of this movie that I haven't seen before in one way or another. I feel like they kind of gave a lot of people free reign to be creative with what they were doing. Um, And I appreciate that. And I think a lot of the things did work for me. There was just too much that didn't work for me that left a bad taste in my mouth by the end to say that I didn't like it. Um, I do think that I, I liked it. And I think that it was interesting enough that I would recommend it to people with sort of the caveat of, it goes too far with it. <laughs> it runs, yeah. It continues way past comfortable. To me, to me, the exact analogy would be like an SNL or Key and Peele sketch where it's an incredibly brilliant idea and they get into it and everything's funny and going really well, but then they don't know how to get out. So they just like escalate it and it gets wackier and they keep going too long and they can't get out of the sketch. That's what it felt like <laughs> to me when you're like, can this just be done already? Because you're just getting weirder and wackier and it's not funny to me anymore. And you're just then everyone like blows up in a bomb for no reason or whatever. And you're like, what was even the point of that at this point? That's exactly how I felt about this. Like, I think the ideas were strong. I think the cast was strong. I think people were making interesting choices that I was into. The humor was funny at the beginning for me. And then they just like couldn't get themselves out of it. So they, they, they went all in. And I think going all in took me out. Whitney, I'm going to be honest. You just gave me the perfect analogy for this movie with your description of it. Okay. Yeah. Hear me out. This movie is the, if you've ever seen the short called too many cooks, I don't know if either of you have seen that. It is a short adult swim thing that went viral. Maybe a, I don't know, a year or two ago, and is essentially this looping repeat of a late 80s, early 90s sitcom opening that keeps going. And yes, 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 I have seen you, that, yes. Okay, so it's like if you watch Too Many Cooks, but you only watched 12 of the 28 minutes of it. And yeah. So that's essentially, if you stopped at 12 minutes, you probably won't like this movie. But if you watched it all the way through to the end and you appreciated it, you'll probably like this film. <laughs> so that's all I could say. I know that's super obscure. Check out Too Many Cooks. And if you like that, watch this movie. <laughs> I definitely see myself recommending this to people who are into film in one way or another or are into seeing things that aren't that you haven't heard about or aren't in the mainstream or, you know, like there's, there's some reasons why I could see recommending this to quite a few people, yeah. but it would always have that sort of caveat to it. Okay. So if you had to say yes or no for the purposes of our tally, you're, you're in though? Yes. Awesome. I think it did so much interesting stuff and there was so much of it that I did enjoy that I think even though my answer of, did you like this movie or not? I think I'm, if I have to pick one, it's not, but yeah. I also think that I would recommend it. <laughs> okay. This is going to be very exciting 
depending on how this answer goes from Evan, because this could very well be the first movie that Whitney and I agree on that Evan does not. Evan, would you recommend this film? No pressure. No pressure at all. (laughs) No. Okay. Oh my God, it's a momentous occasion. (laughs) I wish I had some sort of bell I could ring or something. Oh man. I'm sure you can find one in the sound effects library. Um, You tell us why I'll find one. uh, Just, I don't know. There's other movies I would watch. I think it's just, I mean, you could probably say that about any movie, but you know, I think it, I just got lost in it. I didn't really get glued until, until the very end. Um, I didn't really pick up on some of the details that you called out today. And I think I just wasn't really all in. Uh, like Whitney was saying, kind of after the first 10 minutes, um, my, my interest kind of really fell off and I guess I would just assume that others would go the same way, but Andrew, you're proof positive of, of the opposite. So, um, it, it, I, I just wouldn't, I don't, I don't think anybody really needs to see this. Um, that's it. Evan is the dissenter. Yes. Is that say, good enough? I couldn't find a bell. I was gonna say I'm gong. Super actually. into that. Yeah, we could also do this slide ooh, whistle. I don't ooh, know. That's, that's fun. So, all right, uh, the uh, that has been recorded uh, as such. Recommend from Andrew and Whitney. The first, the first one of that kind of recommend. So mm-hmm. there you go. And in terms of our rankings for this. What are we thinking here? I could say, for me, I'm going to probably put this at the number nine spot, which would knock flying down to number 10. So I think I'm also going to knock flying down. I think, uh, no, you know what? I'm going to knock I Love You to Death down, too, because I like this more than I Love You to Death. Great. Yeah, I definitely like it more (laughs) than that. So, yeah. Ev, do you have an idea of where this might fall in terms uh, of uh, your rankings here? I think this is gonna sneak up before. I think I'm going right after Brotherhood of Justice, so a little bit higher than you guys. Wow, how is that possible? You don't recommend it, but it's higher. I mean, the Who night before this? was real not great. <laughs> yeah, you had a lot of movies that you didn't. Yeah, I understand. I get it. You recommend a lot, but your your rankings suggest otherwise. I understand. I understand. You know, I just I like to be someone who provides surprises. You know, and <laughs> I want people to just on the other end of this just be like, "Wow, what an interesting character!" You know, he has so sure. many so dynamic. Yeah. Every time you think he's gonna zag, he zigs. Exactly, that's me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, good. I like. I like where our lists are currently because mm-hmm. they, uh, up at the top, still pretty consistent, uh, but they diverge pretty wildly, uh, <laughs> with the exception of the last one, which I believe yeah, will always be last. Hopefully. Will always be last. I can't imagine liking a movie less than I liked One Step Away. I don't know. We haven't watched 47 Ronin yet, so. Well, that's we'll true. <laughs> I don't That is true. I've, I've never seen it. I have no idea. It could be fine. Probably not, but it could be. I've never seen it either, so we'll find out together. Yeah, we got a couple we got about a year before we get there, so I but do that's have okay. to say though, this movie 
really, really tuned me into the benefits of watching movies in the way that we're watching these movies. Hmm. You would not know about this movie. It's not anywhere online. It's hard to find stuff for it. It's mm. you can't stream it. Like I would never have ever even known this movie existed, even though there's quite a few people in it without yeah. watching it this way. And it makes me like I it made me start going back and thinking about all the other movies and how so many of them I haven't seen before. Like when we were talking at the very beginning about how many of his movies we've seen and I, you know, where that that sort of delineation was of who has watched the most Keanu movies and everything like that. I didn't realize how end loaded to current day it was because yeah. I haven't seen most of the ones we've seen so far. But even if I have not liked most of them, which I have not liked most of them so far, <laughs> they're movies that I would not have seen otherwise. And I think watching one person's body of work rather than genres that you know or things that like Netflix recommends you is a really interesting way to watch movies and I kind of want to keep doing it even after we're done with this and start over with somebody else because it's such an interesting way to see movies and I it's just like I would not get this exposure otherwise. Hmm. Oh, we will. Don't worry. We're we're going to continue. <laughs> so this one just continues on and it'll go a little bit slower once we catch up, but then yeah. we can find someone else. It'll be great. Yeah. And I agree because like I said I I said up top if this came up in the Netflix recommend, which it wouldn't because that's not how my Netflix has been tuned, right? Yeah. Based on the things that I've liked. But if it came up and I just read the synopsis for this, no, that it would not have happened. And it turns out that I actually enjoyed this more having watched it than, than not. So that yeah. is, there is something to be said for just, even if it's not great, I watched it. And I got something out of it. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. This is this has been great. It expands your horizons in a way that other stuff doesn't. Because, like, I went to film school. So I was, as part of the curriculum, I was shown a bunch of classic movies or movies that were great examples of cinematography or directing or set design or whatever. But but all of them were movies that I have heard of and would maybe have seen another way. I've never yeah. been exposed to movies that I have to watch that I would never have looked twice at for one reason or another. And mm. I think it's super interesting and it kind of makes me want to watch all my movies this way, but <laughs> I'm not organized enough for that. Right. You got to pick who who's next. I don't yeah. know. You got to pick someone. You could easily find another actor who's got 60 plus movies. Oh yeah. There's and, a bunch of them out there. And probably in the same kind of uh, set up too, where maybe, you know, who actually just came to mind and, you know, mull over this, but maybe was Tom Hanks, right? Who, I think Tom Hanks would be a really interesting one. Yeah. Cause his earlier stuff was different. You know, you're, you, I don't know if we would watch the entirety of like Bosom Buddies or anything like that, but his earlier movies, you know, he was kind of a goof and then he became yeah. America's dad. <laughs> and now he's, yeah, he's he's certainly won an Oscar, correct? It would be. I don't know if he has. Or not. Oh my God, that would be if he doesn't have a statue. We got to fix that immediately. But yeah, that would be a good one. So he got Best Actor for Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. Perfect, nailed it. There Nicely done. Nicely done. Thank right. the Lord. <laughs> so yeah, that was tune in tomorrow. A little bit of a mixed reception from this crowd, but overall, I think it's worth a watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Next week. Oh my goodness. Mm. Evan, you lucky dog. <laughs> you are leading the discussion of this movie. Little known film called Point Break. How Point excited break. are we for this? Yes. Pretty excited. Might Pretty watch it. Pretty excited. Might watch it twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the most in-depth review we've ever had. Yeah. So we've all seen this, right? Oh yeah. I have seen it, but I don't remember anything about it because I was very young when I saw it. So I don't remember almost anything about it. I remember I saw it in a similar situation, probably too young to have seen it. And then I caught it in bits and pieces on maybe TNT or something yeah. over the years. Yeah. So I'm excited to sit down with it and watch like a non a commercial free mm -hmm. R-rated action movie that has it's Nick Nolte, right? Or is it Gary Busey? It's Gary Busey, right? Uh, I, I don't know. It's so. one of them. I always confuse those guys. I think it's Gary. He's crazy in that movie. So he's crazy in, in most things. He's crazy in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that just comes over. Really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Anything else we want to talk about or are we, uh, we wrapping it up? I think that's it. All right. You can find our website at coolbreezepod.com and access all of our episodes, the list of films we'll be reviewing, and much, much more. You can also reach out to us by emailing coolbreezepod at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. If you think this is a podcast you can get behind, please give us a subscription on your preferred platform, and a review would be lovely. We'll be back next week, but until then, Whitney, where can we keep up with you on the internet? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter, and you can find me and all of my other podcasts there. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it short and sweet this time. Find me out on Twitter and you will find all my other podcasts if you want to hear more from me. Nice. Whitney is a person when I Prolific. tweet out. Right. Well, when I tweet out the show, she retweets the show and then I see her retweet historical hotties and then I go and I download that and yeah. then she retweets the other and I go and I download those. So it's crazy. Follow her there. Great stuff. Yes. Evan. Mm-hmm. And keeping that sigh in there, or whatever that was, it was perfect. Where <laughs> are you on the internet? Oh, so many places. Um, uh, for starters, Instagram. Um, it's a it's an application where people share photos. Um, and it, my handle's at Evan Acre at sign Evan A C R E E. Um. At sign being shift two on your keyboard. Uh, and then you can also find me on Twitter. I also use the Twitter, um, but it's shit. So just don't <laughs> follow me there. And uh, I don't retweet our own show, but I do heart things or like yeah. whatever, whatever that it's nomenclature is. And keeping then, it casual. Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, I also, I exist in this really cool app called Untapped, huh? um, where you guys can have the pleasure of seeing not only what beer I'm drinking, but also where I'm doing it. So pretty, pretty rad um, at Evan Acre on that one too. So lots of options for you all. Come and find me. Dear listeners, I'm on, I'm on Evan's Instagram right now. The last photo he posted was on... March 3rd. So you're, I mean, you're on Instagram, but 
yeah, you know what? I am active. Well, <laughs> you could look at my 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 other secret Instagram. Yeah, if you're so inclined, Ev links to his secret Instagram in his real Instagram, <laughs> which is not a secret. So there well, you go. Well, not anymore. Well, all right, fair enough. I follow make... him. Follow Whitney. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying Whitney would be a better follow, but I'm not not saying that. Yeah, I'll say it. She retweets the show. That's all I'm saying. That's oh. all I'm saying. <laughs> oh boy. Speaking of people who retweet the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Dark Driving, <laughs> as well as on Instagram and YouTube and a couple other places. So check that out. No pressure. As long as you're listening to this show, that's what I really care about. So just continue to subscribe to this. That makes me happy. Thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. Bye. <laughs>